Hello, and welcome to the Big Blue Review Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum, and we are coming to you after a 28-27 Indianapolis Colts win over the New York Giants. Um, So this game started a little uh, different than we would have expected, but as the game got rolling, uh, Chris, I think the game ended pretty much the only way we could have expected at this point. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, we pretty much saw by the second quarter that the Giants defense was not going to be able to stop the Colts and that if the Giants wanted to win, they needed points every time they touched the ball and they just didn't do that. No, they didn't, but they they got out to an early lead. This game was 14 nothing at one point, which that I wasn't sure the Giants were going to score 14 points all game. If we're going to be honest, I think in in our staff picks on Big Blue View, I had them at 13 points. I just didn't think the offense was going to be there, but after two drives, and 14 points and and they had a lead and they were in control for most of this game yeah uh they were basically in control for the first 55 minutes of the of the game and we need to talk about that offense because finally somebody must have played our podcast for pat Shermer because he did a lot of the things we've been basically screaming for for over the last few months yeah, the offense is definitely worth talking about because I I mentioned this on Twitter and I'll, I think I'll stand by it after a rewatch. I'd like to see the coach's film on it just to, to break it down. But it was easily the Giants' best schemed game of the season. Maybe without Odell Beckham in the lineup, they, they realized they needed to you know scheme some openings. And I think they did that. They worked real well to get Sterling Shepard open early. Later in the game, they worked to get Evan Ingram open. There were even the runs and the end arounds to to Ingram and Corey Coleman and Sterling Shepard. All three of those guys got a carry in this game. And then you had a big downfield throw to Benny Fowler and uh, Scott Simonson came up with a touchdown. So the Giants really worked to get a lot of people involved in the passing offense. And you can see through through the early part of the game, it worked really well, which does make you question, why is it just popping up in week 16? I suppose with the Giants completely out of contention, they had the NFL right where they wanted them. But also they... They schemed to get guys open. They also schemed around their offensive line, which is something they have not consistently done all season long. For most of the year, we've seen that if the offensive line doesn't hold up, they just get shocked back into that shell. We see them go into again and again and again and again. This time, they didn't. They used misdirection to slow down the pass rush. They didn't rely on the offensive line to try to open a crease for Saquon Barkley. In fact, when the offense was at its best, they weren't relying on Barkley at all. Yeah, so there was a lot of that misdirection and a lot of play action and bootlegs getting Eli out of the pocket to create some more space between him and the pass rush. And as you say, there was not a lot working with Saquon Barkley in this game. He finished with 21 carries 
for 43 yards. He had the touchdown, uh, but he was not able to do anything. But as we have stated before, the play action game has no correlation with rushing success and we saw that in this game Barkley could not do anything the Giants were killing with play action probably their best play action game of the year that created a lot of openings and a lot of throws for the Giants so very happy they stuck to that game plan when the running game was not working at all oh definitely it 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 seemed like it was a realization that Pat Shermer came to last week when the running game was even less there. And he said after the game, we went away from it because why hand the ball off if you're not going to get anything out of it? That's a waste of down. And he stuck to that, which is good to see. At least he stuck to, stuck with that for most of the game. Before we get to that, I, I was really happy to see Sterling Shepard have a bounce back game out of 100 yards in the first half which was you know even with half of it coming on that one long catch that that was still really good to see especially nice to see them actually use a double move finally building off the endless slants yeah that's that's part of the the scheme that we haven't seen at all this season. So I looked up at Sports Info Solutions. Heading into this game, the Giants had seven targeted routes that were considered double moves all season between everybody. They had seven targets. Only two of those balls were considered catchable, and there were no receptions. So for a team that does rely on that slant and those quick breaking routes, uh, it doesn't make sense to not have... Some type of double move come off that to create separation. We saw that with Shepard. That route he ran, Pierre Desir was the cornerback in coverage. He completely froze when Shepard made his first cut. And then he gets wide, wide open. And I know a lot of people are talking about the throw from Eli. He put everything he had into that one. But that's, I think, in the throw Eli has to make. I, I think at this point... It would have been more disappointing if that throw didn't connect than it was good that the throw did get completed. Yeah, that is the limit of Eli's arm. But then again, he never exactly had a howitzer attached to his right shoulder either. So that's always been about his limit. But it was nice to see him actually throw that ball accurately, hit Shepard in stride and connect. That was great. And as you say, just seven double moves all season with it's much of this passing game built on slants and quick passes. That is just weird. And especially when you have Odell Beckham, who is a wizard when it comes to double moves, because he's a chess player using his routes to set up defenders. And then he has just that incredible explosive suddenness out of his breaks. It's one of the things that has been missing and you when you see it and you see it work that well you have to ask why yeah yeah no you really do so one other thing that popped up that we've been trying to to get the giants to do for quite a while was a seam route to evan ingram they they ran one and it worked at least up until the turf monster got him which that happened twice which was almost a little bit funny to me. It's almost like somebody put a tripwire up at the five-yard line. 
Right, so he he went down on that 32-yard catch, but I think on replay, he scored. He definitely did. Yeah. He, I he mean, rolled over the defender. He didn't touch the ground until he, until the ball crossed the plane. All right, not, not that it matters because the Giants ended up scoring anyway, but Ingram... Ingram's usage was so much better. I think we've talked about how his his usage has increased, but the efficiency hasn't always been there because of the way they use him on a lot of drags and just shallow crossing routes. But they they got him a little deeper. There were still you know some of those a little crossing routes. Um, but Ingram was worth seven point seven one expected points added in this game. That's one point two eight per target, and all six of his targets were positive expected points added. So that is that's a great day for Ingram. That was a good usage. It was good efficiency. And that is how the Giants should be trying to use someone like him going forward. Oh, definitely. And I can't help but hope that when Odell Beckham gets back and I should say next year in 2019, that they continue to use Ingram like this, assuming they don't do something insane like trade him in the offseason. Yeah, I hope he remains with the team and it, a major cog in this offense because when he's used like that, he is a legitimate weapon. Yeah, we've seen it these past three weeks. In fact, we've seen it, we saw it the first two weeks after the bye when even though they didn't use him until the fourth quarter, he was still res- basically responsible for those first two wins. Yeah, yeah, he had those big catches at the end of games when not really being used at all through the first, like, three and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden he pops up for some big gain. So getting him more usage and more efficient usage, which is what they did in this game. And I think part of that ended up being because the passing game was working pretty well. So Eli Manning finished 25 of 33, 309 yards, 9.4 yards per attempt. Get a QBR, which again is like single game win probability of 93.1. So he was pretty good in this game. What I'm afraid of is some people are going to point to this game as like the he still got it uh, type of thing, which is going to move into 2019. But he was good, but also kind of did what was expected of him. I don't think he made any really crazy throws, but I think he made the throws he was supposed to make. So Next Gen Stats has his expected completion percentage, which which takes account of pretty much everything that goes into a pass, the defenders close to him, where the pass is, how close the defenders are to the receiver, all of that stuff. So he had an expected completion percentage of 71%, which was the second highest of any quarterback this week. He finished with an actual completion percentage of 75.8. So, I mean, that's that's a little bit different, which which is good. You want that to be a little higher, but I don't think he really went above what he was expected to do. But at the same time, it was very clear the passing game was so much more effective than the running game in this game. So I think they should have been counting on Eli a little more as the game progressed. Yeah, the outside of the misdirected running plays and a couple, I suppose we could say change-ups thrown by Wayne Gallman, the running game really was not there for the Giants. And it really hasn't been over the last three weeks. 
you know, yeah, Saquon Barkley had that huge game against Washington, but outside of his two runs for 130 yards, he averaged 3.3 yards a carry. Yeah, he averaged, I think, what was it, two and a half last week against Tennessee, and then he averaged two yards per carry this week. The uh, gelling rebuilt offensive line, I think, needs to be re 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 rebuilt, <laughs> so it can actually open up some holes for him. Yeah, and so I think that takes us to, I think, one of the the turning points we have in this game. It happened towards the end of the fourth quarter. The Giants were up 27-21 at this point. Indianapolis punted the ball down to the Giants four. And with the passing game working, they they tried to just run the clock out with Barkley runs. And, and it just, it, it didn't work. So they had... The drive ended up being three plays and two yards, which took up 251, but there were some penalties involved there. So on first down, they ran Barkley for three yards. Uh, then there was a false start on second down. On Then on that second down, there was only... That penalty only pushed them back three yards because they were already against the goal line. So they tried to run a screen, which which I liked, but then there was a legal block in the back. That only pushed them back two yards, but that was a second and 12. But then on second and 12, there's a Barkley run for negative one yards. And then on third and 13, they run for five yards, but that doesn't help you at all. So they ended up punting um, and giving the ball back to Indianapolis basically at midfield. The, their punt only went to the Indianapolis 47. So I think that is a very questionable game management to me for trying to go back to the run when it, one, hadn't been working, when you are in it's second and third and long, when you know if the defense is playing against the run, you're not getting that 12 yards on the ground. Um, So the Giants basically just kind of gave up and, and allowed the Colts to have a chance for a game-winning drive that they only needed to go through midfield. Agreed. I made that point after the game, and I went back and looked, and the Giants had five drives, which started with them handing the ball off to Saquon Barkley. Three of them ended in basically three and outs. It was the drive after the Andrew Luck interception, or I should say corner route to Curtis Riley, which maybe he should have transitioned to wide receiver instead of free safety. And the drive at the start of the second half, and then that drive from the Giants goal line. And each time they went, they tried to go back to their, the offense we had seen throughout the season, just, old school runs with Saquon Barkley and then check downs, quick passes, the stuff we had seen, which was not what had been working for them all game long. The other two drives where they, that did work out with first down Saquon Barkley runs had to be rescued by long passes from Eli Manning. 
Yeah, yeah, they had a couple of, of big plays on, like, third and 11s uh, that they needed to keep the ball moving in this game. That that has not been the case for a lot of the Giants' season so far. They're one of the worst third and long offenses in the league. And that's when when those plays, when you know an incomplete pass and a negative run push them back, and, and they need to be in third and long. And so... And speaking of, man, Rich Gannon was all over the place in this game. Like, freak aside, <laughs> whoo, boy. First of all, between, uh, he was talking about Barkley's impact on play action. He's talking about Olivier Vernon having a quiet season. Um, he also said that uh, what he likes about Barkley is there's rarely any negative runs. So one, I don't know what Rich Gannon has been watching all season. Um, I also know by his comments about play action, he has not read any of my work. Um, <laughs> but that was all over the place. But yeah, but when we get back to to this this drive in particular, and it just it just wasn't going to be successful. So Barkley finished the game with negative five. 0.06 expected points added. Only four of his 21 rushing attempts in this game brought positive EPA. So that's a 19% success rate. You you cannot win with that, and that's not something you should be relying on. On that last drive, when, when you need to pick up a first down, you need to keep the Colts off the ball. Um, you you cannot give the ball back to them in that scenario, especially with only half a field to go. But one of the things I looked at after I came back from this was the Giants started that drive per the NFL scrape or package uh, that I get most of this data from. They started this drive with a 75% chance to win. When they punted, they still had a 74.9% chance to win. So in terms of win probability, the drive didn't derail them. But I think my problem here is really the opportunity cost of gaining win probability. If the Giants had maybe used another screen, had used some slants, they had been creating openings all game. You push the ball a little further downfield, you take up a little more than three minutes of clock, you can then push that win probability up to you know, 85, 90% instead of staying at 75 and, and giving the Colts the short field. So I think my issue, even though the win probability did not change really all that much from that drive, the Giants still should have won and could have had a defensive stop. Um, but I think it was, it was the loss of possible win probability added that they they could have clinched the game there if they were a little more aggressive threw the ball a little more just screens and short passes those can still work as an extension of the running game you don't have to run Barkley into the line all the time to be considered you know a run play that's going to drain the clock there are other ways to do it and it was a way the Giants were moving the ball more effectively throughout this entire game agreed and I'm not so sure you could ever count on a defensive stand in that situation because, well, the Giants had been able to get the Colts off the field. They really weren't very good at it. It mostly came when the Colts took themselves off of the field through uh, penalties, mistakes, miscues, things like that. And I suppose this is a good time to move over to the defensive side of the ball. I did 
I liked the Giants' scheme and game plan on the defensive side this week, but I think it's pretty clear they need better players to execute that scheme. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true, and that's something we've been talking about pretty much this entire season. When the Giants were able to hold the Colts scoreless through the first part of this game, that was a lot of self-inflicted pain from the Colts. A lot of penalties pushed them back, and once they cleaned those up as they got into the second half, the Colts were able to move the ball. So Andrew Luck did not start off this game particularly well, but he finished 31-47, 357 yards, and a QBR of 87.1. Still, even though Eli was at 93-1, you know, Luck still had a pretty good game, which means a quarterback who plays like that will win 87.1% of the time. So so it was a toss-up there. And another one there, that was a running game that wasn't working. Um, So they stuck with Luck and let him pass. And they got a ton of receivers involved. They got uh, the running backs involved uh, in the passing game. And... I think part of what what was a problem for the Giants with the talent is once the Colts got moving offensively, they were scheming really well. The Colts do a fantastic job of getting their tight ends on defensive backs, getting their running backs in the passing game isolated on tight ends. They did that really well in this game, and... As the game progressed, that advantage started to grow bigger for Indianapolis, and that's how they came back in this game. It did. Uh, the Giants had chances to steal back the momentum, for lack of a better word. They had their hands on four potential turnovers, you know, three interceptions that bounced off their hands and hit the ground. Uh, Lorenzo Carter almost had one. Janoris Jenkins almost had one. B.W. Webb almost had one. And then there was the strip sack by Vernon, which got negated by kind of a pointless holding penalty by Janoris Jenkins. If any of those had come off, you know, maybe the Giants would have had that extra possession they needed to win. But when it came to just getting off the field when they absolutely had to, they couldn't do that. No, they they couldn't. And the Colts really figured out how to move the ball. And they, it, it's, and it's not like they, they're super talented on offense. You look at the guys you were throwing to. So T.Y. Hilton had a great game, uh, seven receptions on eight targets, 138 yards. But you go down the list of everyone else who was thrown to. Chester Rogers got seven targets. Dontrell Inman, five targets. Zach Pascal, seven targets. <laughs> These are guys that are not really heard of outside of Indianapolis. But they were able to to scheme these guys. Luck was really good. He had some really nice throws that came in like the second and third quarters uh, that were that were in some tight windows. Uh, and and that helped move the ball. And then they were able to just scheme these guys open. Uh, Naheem Hines uh, was isolated on linebackers all the time. They would either motion him out uh, or they, they use empty. They had some plays with Hines and Mack on the field at the same time. So they use him in the passing game. He had four catches for 41 yards. Uh, the Colts just really figured out where to take advantage of the Giants defense. And, and that just brought them back 
uh, in the game, especially especially that last drive when all they needed was was fifty yards to score. Yep, and I think that just about sums the whole game up. The Giants' offense was really well schemed, really well executed for most of it. Then they got away from that almost inexplicably at the end. The defense was pretty well schemed and not terribly well executed, but that wasn't... The players are limited. We'll say that. Tay Davis is probably not who you want starting at inside linebacker for you. And the Colts just out-schemed and out-executed the Giants. Yeah, yeah, they really did. There were, I mean, there were a couple penalties, especially on that last drive. They had, I think, two defensive pass interference penalties on that drive, which which certainly didn't help. One of them was from a BW Webb on a first and goal from the eight, and that gave them first and goal from the one, and then they scored there. Uh, but we talk about the scheme that that go ahead touchdown was like perfectly schemed i love that so they came out in in 11 personnel they had two receivers over to the left um one over to the right that receiver at the right motioned in so they had their tight end there so that sucked up nine giants uh, who were protecting the box against the run and then they had their two wide receivers just one-on-one with cornerbacks and they set up a pick play absolutely perfectly and legally Chester Rogers kind of froze Grant Haley with a couple false steps just going forward so Haley couldn't really tell where he was going to go and then once he broke outside T.Y. Hilton was there and had cut off his route just inside the end zone, Haley had to go around him, so Rodgers was wide open. It was a perfectly schemed pass for a wide-open throw to Rodgers that gave the Colts the lead. Uh, and and so that's that's where their advantage really came. It was scheme and execution, and I, I think once you once the Colts got got that ball near midfield, I, I mean I don't think there was really any. Anyone who didn't doubt they were going to score. Yeah, pretty much the only question was whether or not they were going to leave the Giants enough time to attempt a fourth quarter miracle comeback. And they almost did. Yeah, the Giants did You get the ball back. They started on their own 25 after a touchback. They had 55 seconds and a timeout left. Um, and all they needed to do was get in field goal range. And so that the win probability still gave the Giants a 51% chance to win at the time of their third play, which happened to be an overthrown Eli Manning interception. That was, I want to say, a, a pretty bad decision uh, out of a throw toward Benny Fowler, who was very well covered. Uh, so Eli overshot him. Lee Cooker was there for the interception that clinched the game. So I, I'm seeing that interception as like a, a referendum on on Eli's entire season, and I don't know. That's that's weird to me. I, I'm not going to be one who's going to defend Eli and said he's played well this year or that he should be the starter in 2019. I have never said that on this show. I have accepted he probably will be, <laughs> but but that's going to be another thing. Uh, that's a completely different discussion we'll we'll get to uh, at some other point. 
I don't know. I, I He played well this game. The interception was bad. I think that's something some of us would have expected. I almost tweeted it out. This feels like a time for an Eli interception before uh, that yeah, throw. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people like had that at their fingertips. Um, but I, I don't think that interception should be some grand you know declaration of the the Eli Manning experience I don't know I, obviously I think he he kept them in the game I think there were there were more issues in this game than that interception but uh one I don't think this game the positive of this game should be what people point to as the case he should be the starter in 2019, but I also don't think that interception uh, should be the case people use of why he shouldn't be. We have 15 other games that say he's the, the Giants should be thinking of, of something else. I, I point that out because I think I've seen that as a takeaway of this game a lot coming out of the game through through beat writers and, and on Twitter. And, and that's a weird takeaway for me coming out of this game when so many other things happened. It, it really is. Yeah. Personally, I think the takeaway is that this is... The first 50, 55 minutes of this game showed what the offense could do and really should be doing, especially if Eli Manning is the quarterback, which again, it, it feels likely at this point. That last drive to me, it just felt like it, it felt rushed. They were, they let the pace of the game get ahead of them. Like the Colts, they really only needed to go 50 yards because with Aldrich Rosas's range, you don't need a chip shot. It, it's nice to have, but you don't need it. And they were moving the ball pretty well, pretty easily up until that point. So I don't hate the decision to try to take a shot. And I don't say, hate the make, shot either. No. that it, The particular window he tried to hit is I have an issue with. I, I oh, don't have a problem there. with the shot. I There was a window for the reception, I I think but it was one where he put himself in the position where he had to make the perfect throw and he didn't. Yeah, and, and that was something they didn't force all game. So I'm um, looking at the aggressiveness numbers from Next Gen Stats, which takes into account how often a quarterback throws into tight coverage, which they consider less than one yard of separation from a defensive player. And Eli only threw into tight coverage on 9.1% of his throws in this game, which comes back to our point that it was a lot of plays were schemed open and schemed very well. So for Eli to then think he needed to force that pass is something I think we can, we can definitely question. But yeah, I think I think the last two drives were not particularly well managed um, from a lot of different perspectives. And, and I think that is kind of a big part of, of what cost them the game. But there were, there were so many other factors here for, for why the game ended the way it did. Definitely. I, I'm not sure there's really much else to add to that. No, it's that's absolutely true. Um, so the weekend ended there. We have a quicker show today for you guys, so you can enjoy your holiday. If you're traveling, go hang out with family. Uh, don't think about this game too much. Think about it for like the half hour we talked about it, and and go move on to to other cheerier things. Um, so we will be back at the end of the week. I'm not totally sure what 
our college show is going to be, but we'll we'll figure that out. We'll have an episode for you. Our other one went up a little later in the week, so if you haven't listened to that, we have an interior defensive line preview that's up that if you have not listened to, it's still relevant. All of those college podcasts we really put up are, are still relevant. So enjoy your holiday. If you have Giants friends or family tell them about this podcast have them listen that would that would be very helpful for us so uh we'll, we'll just we'll be back at the end of the week please enjoy your holiday uh thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you again soon hello i'm spencer hall from sb nation and i want to tell you about my new show it seems smart it seems smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another seem smart at the time those things might include Doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>